20 million dollars who you got chelsea grammar this is nerd rage the great debates Welcome to the Nerd Rage Tournament of Champions, where we're crowning the greatest debater of Nerd Rage Season 1. I'm Mark Abrigo, your host and moderator, and we've taken 32 debaters, some you'll recognize from past episodes, some you won't, and put them through a gauntlet where they'll be championing one subject through the entire tournament. And in today's episode, we're going through the first round of conference number four. And if this is your first rage, pay attention. When a debater starts, you're going to hear this... With 10 seconds left, you're going to hear this. And theoretically, if they're done, you're going to hear this. So let's get right into the action. We'll hit the music. And we are back on Nerd Rage's Tournament of Champions. Another first round fight here. And I got to tell you, when I first saw the brackets, I said this one is going to be the weirdest one and the topics hadn't even been chosen yet. Uh, these two are some of my favorite folks here on Nerd Rage. We've had them several times on the show. Your first debater, uh, he is uh, the lead singer of comedic punk band The ODs. He also co-hosts and uh, co-produces Critical Hit out in Oakland. Give it up for Eric Krasner. Thank you. I just want to say I've been on the comment sections, I've been on the Nerd Rage forums, I've been on the Nerd Rage Tumblr fandom, and I see what you people are saying, all right? You're saying I fell off. You're saying I'm not as good as I once was. You're saying I've gone soft. Well, listen, motherfuckers, I know you're saying, yeah, he's good, yeah, he's great, but he's no Tiramari. (laughs) But I'm here today to send Tiramari a message, all right? I'm the greatest debater who ever lived, and that punk-ass bitch (laughs) and all his stupid little fans are going to learn that. All that said, (laughs) Eric, being the badass that you are, what are you going to be championing? I'm going to be championing the topic of mathematics, in which I have a bachelor's degree. Excellent. (laughs) Good old Goodwill hunting over here. Excellent. And facing Eric, who hopefully doesn't have as many bad things to say about Tira Mari. She's a very funny comedian. We had her on one of our uh, first one-shots episode. Absolutely just destroyed it in that uh, she co-hosts and co-produces a number of shows here in the Bay Area, uh, including Very Wild Things Are, Riffer's Delight, as well as Nightlife on Mars. Give it a big four, Natasha Muse. It's a delight to be here. Thanks so much. I love the whole cast and crew here at the Nerd Rage Studios. Ooh, it's because yeah. fighting your negativity Natasha, with open for a friendly of... and pleasant debate with you. Yeah, just a bunch it's of cool Tiramari cats. You see if we're... Fuck that yeah, guy. No, I love Tiramanji. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Jack Black was wasted in that one. No, Natasha. Uh, you're going up against somebody who's got a bachelor's degree yes, in mathematics I know. from public Wh- university. <laughs> what are you going to be championing today, Natasha? I am a big... We're going to talk about the daylight savings time, the, the most wonderful time of the half year. Ex- well, because of course. Because it, ha- well, because it happens twice a year, so it's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful... Do you get what yes. I was doing? Every six months... Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's edit that little bit out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and get this started. You guys know how the game works. We're going to give you guys 90 seconds to make your case along with a 60-second rebuttal. Natasha, you will be starting us off great. first. Just let me know. Of course. We're okay. going to give you 90 seconds. And right you'll now? Be, uh, soon. Okay, in great. In three, two, right and now? one. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I got to say I love daylight savings times. I mean, well, I love the time. I love the day that we do it. The day or two after, like, the fact 
of it, really, most of all. It's like a scheduled chaos twice a year. <laughs> a bit of confusion on the agenda for no real reason at all. You know, just like, well, I mean, sure, there, I'm sure there are reasons that we all, you know, started it for some reason, like with farming or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but no one really has, like, a, a firm grip on the actual details of it. And as more generations separate us from the from the time those decisions were made, the fewer of us understand why we do it, and I think it's just great. Uh, soon no one will know why we do it except for a few history pedants who mis- mistake exchanging facts for conversation. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I love that we don't know why we do it. I don't think it, the, any value that used to be gained from doing it still exists today, but we still do it. We still do this weird thing. We still play this weird game with ourselves twice a year where we, as a country, with a handful of exceptions, decide to just sort of change reality um, for no reason, except we all just kind of like to complain about it and remark upon it and talk about how it made you wake up at the wrong time so you missed the train or relate to your grandma's wake. Or... uh, Or, like, that one time I was, like, crazy early for my shift at the Starbucks and had to, like, sit outside for, like, an hour. Anyway, uh, it's a thing to mention to to people that you don't know that well, like a temporal weather. Like, uh, wow, sure is sunny now. And just to think that it's so much brighter than it would have been at this time yesterday. (laughs) Anyways, it's so unnatural to us and hard to wrap your head around. It takes a few... Anyways, it's just fun. Natasha Muse, ladies and gentlemen. I like that Natasha thinks that Daylight Savings Time is the purge. (laughs) (laughs) All bets are off. (laughs) But when did I kill them? You don't know. (laughs) Was that an hour ago? Uh It's hard to say. It was so much brighter this time yesterday. (laughs) Eric, you will uh, have 90 seconds to make your case here, sir. Uh, You are ready to go? Yes? All right. Put it on the clock, sir. We got 90 seconds for Eric in three, two, and one. Math is hard. That's why you hate it. You hate math because one day you found a problem in one of your quizzes and you were like, you know what? (laughs) This shit's too hard. I'm not good enough for this. I'll never live up to this. And you bailed on it for the rest of your life. That's why math has so many haters. Because it (laughs) is too good for everyone. No one can live up to it. No one can do everything that math demands of a human being. It's impossible. That's why math is objectively the best thing in this contest. Right? We call this show Nerd Rage. Most people are just talking about crap like Star Wars or burritos. Like, stuff that's easy to like. You know what? I'm going to say it. Stuff a normie could like. I'm the only real nerd here. I'm defending math, <laughs> something that I had to go to school spending my parents' money <laughs> just to be bad at. <laughs> just because I'm better than you at it doesn't mean I'm good at it at all. And that's, you know, it's like final destination, no items, right? But of life. <laughs> It's, it's a challenge that no one can live up to. And that's why it's the best. <laughs> yes, yeah, sip that monster energy drink, Eric Krasner. 
Can I tell you that there was a moment in there right near the end where everybody was like at Robert Frost's poem, Road Not Taken, because he says Final Destination, and people are like, Devin Sawa? <laughs> or Super Smash Brothers? <laughs> what is he talking about? Thank you, sir, for that. Uh, we're going to do rebuttals now. Natasha, you have 60 seconds to tell Eric why he's totally wrong, and we're going to hear from you in three, two, and one. <laughs> All right. Well, what an interesting way to present your argument, Eric. Um, <laughs> felt like you really nailed the part where you set up the case against it and um, kind of forgot to do the follow-up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree that a lot of stuff is easy to like, but uh, that doesn't apply to daylight savings, actually. It is very confusing and difficult to like, and actually not many people like it, partly and because of math, but, uh, but also... Right, because you're like, well, what time is it? Well, tomorrow, but it'll be an hour ahead. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that we'll actually be existing an hour ahead where we are in the future? Or will be the time will be an hour ahead, so it'll be less dark than it was before. Like, see, and that's what people don't like about it, which is what <laughs> your point was. And my point is like, but that's fun. It makes us all grumpy for a day, and we get to grouse about it like a snowstorm. <laughs> Furthermore, I anticipated that you were going to say that math is a cool language that describes reality. And uh, I was going to say, well, yeah, but uh, who cares because it doesn't do it very precisely, even though it tries to. Well, daylight savings is intentionally confusing and is, is 100% successful at that endeavor. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Natasha. Oh, dear. Eric, you've got 60 seconds to tell Natasha why she's wrong, and you've got that in three, two, and one. Well, you sure showed me for hypothetically saying that. <laughs> Look, daylight ta- savings time as policy, it's dog shit, okay? Why does it exist? Because uh, companies decided, hey, we can't just do our workers a favor and start at 8 or 10 half the year. We've got to change time itself to make things easier for us because that's the only way we'll ever accommodate our employees, okay? Daylight savings time is capitalism gone mad until it has devoured half the year. And, you know, we've both done a lot of arguing against the things we're supposed to be defending. (laughs) And I really appreciate that about this round. You know why? Because, you know, liking things is easy. Hating things is fun. (laughs) And nothing is more hateable than math. (laughs) So... Okay. (laughs) You're on math's side, right? (laughs) I'm on my side, baby. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Eat it, Tiramaji. All right. um, Well... I'm looking at a very confused crowd here because we don't know how exactly we're going to do this. So, if you want to give it to Natasha Muse in Daylight Savings Time, let's hear you. And if you want to give it to Eric Krasner in math, let's hear you. Yeah! Well, I don't think I need to do any math here. It looks like Natasha is moving on. Yay. Natasha Muse, you are moving on to the Sweet 16. Eric, is there anything you want to say or not say or defend or not defend? Uh, the bastard Tiramari must die, and 
check out my band at uh, overdosages.bandcamp.com. We've got an EP out. It's called A Little Too Much, and it's probably going to be professionally mixed by the time this recording comes out. Excellent. Uh, Natasha, what do you want to plug, say, anything? You know what? If you want to see what I thought it was important for you to know about me about two years ago, you should check out my website, which <laughs> I have not <laughs> updated in about 24 months. Uh, that's natashamuse.com for all the latest two years ago, give or take an hour. <laughs> Excellent, everybody. Give it up again. Natasha Muse. She's moving on in Nerd Rage Tournament. The champions will be right back. And we are back here on Nerd Rage's Tournament of Champions. And finally, we've come to a round uh, that we haven't done in a long time. It's a round that actually makes sense. A fight that actually I can get behind and say, thematically, this makes sense. Because we are going to be doing a battle of cult classics Oh, here. sure. I'll go with that narrative. That wasn't a bit of a stretch, at least, I don't think. <laughs> no. Maybe I'm just high. So, we're doing cult classics here, and we're bringing uh, two debaters uh, into the fold here. One of whom uh, you might have heard on a number of podcasts. She's actually been on at least two. Uh, one of the most recent ones was our uh, our exploration to horror games and fantasy games. Uh, she's the host of the Hot Gazpacho podcast. Give it up for Annika Sila. Thank you. Now, Annika, I have to admit, when I read what you ended up picking, I was a little befuddled. But that is the whole point of a cult classic. This stuff isn't supposed to jump out immediately. So why? Actually, let me yeah, ask Yeah, mine's this. not mainstream or well-known because I'm <laughs> indie. <laughs> so what, what I mean, to pull the race card, not a race. <laughs> what did you end up picking for everybody out there who don't, who don't know? Uh, I picked Ghosts of Mars. It is a John Carpenter film that is scored by the band Anthrax, and it stars Ice Cube. It looks like it was made in 1979, but was in fact made in 2001. <laughs> Excellent. Now, how special is this movie to you? Uh, too close. I'm in too deep now. It's kind of a Serpico thing. Like, I can't. <laughs> so this could end in, in tears, and I'm, I'm a little worried about this. I have strong feelings about this film. Just watched it again no last night. I laughed. I cried. I came. It's a great film. <laughs> well, rage can come from sadness and stuff as well, so we can hopefully use your emotions to get you, because you're going to be going up against this gentleman here. He's making his Nerd Rage debut. He's a co-host of the Binge Movie Podcast. Uh, everybody give it up for Jason Leroy. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for coming out, sir. Now, you ended up going with a, a classic that I wasn't old enough to appreciate when it was uh, when it was on Comedy Central. Mm. What did you end up picking, sir? I picked Strangers with Candy. Uh, and uh, in fairness to you, I don't know if anyone really appreciated it while it was on. Mm. Uh, yeah. Comedy Central did not, for instance. <laughs> uh, there were three seasons of it, and they aired them all over the course of barely a year. Wow. Yes, 99 to 2000. Uh, so, uh, but it has hung on. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. You want to talk about antiheroes? Keep your Tony Soprano, Keep your Walter that White. For your 90 seconds, my <laughs> dude. I just gave people the synopsis. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Typical of a Ghost of Mars fan to be so aggressive. <laughs> yeah, what? that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jason, I, I take it you were watching it from the beginning? Were you you know, actually, no, I was a few years late to it. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, because, again, I really don't know who watched it while it aired. Uh, <laughs> so it took a few years, and then it was just a thing where everyone's quoting it all the time, and you're like, what the fuck are you always talking about, everyone else? And it was Strangers with Candy and Ms. Jerry Blank. 
Enough to the point where you're wearing a Jerry Blank shirt? Yes. I am wearing a Jerry Blank I shirt. Love I love like, it. I like to wear a shirt that I can point to when I'm debating people to be like, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, since we're getting into the debate already, can I point out that I didn't wear my Ghosts of Mars shirt? There is no Ghosts of Mars Just shirt. Just because the most iconic clothing in that involves a woman wearing a pair of severed hands as a bra. And I couldn't find that on short notice. <laughs> Excellent. Give it some time. I'm well, sure we're on, on the clothing thing as we're just completely ignoring the sanctified rules of how a debate's supposed to work. Oh we're God. just getting to know Jason here. <laughs> all right. Now I'm feeling like I'm having all the aggression pointed towards me, but that's it's just a, a good problem. Film. Uh, Jason, we're going to be starting you with you, good sir. You guys know how this works. We're going to give you 90 seconds uh, to make your case, then a 60 second rebuttal. Uh, Jason, you won the coin toss, so we're going to be giving it to you first. 90 seconds on the clock and three. Two and one. Hello. I'm here to talk about the TV series Strangers with Candy. It's a story of Jerry Blank, a 46-year-old high school freshman. 32 years ago, she dropped out of school and ran away from home. She was a boozer, a user, and a loser. But now, she's back in school. And though the faces may have changed, the hassles are just the same. Strangers with Candy was a deeply fucked up parody of ABC after-school specials and of morality itself. Each episode found Jerry, an illiterate, pansexual, middle-aged ex-con, <laughs> learning such valuable life lessons as virginity is a great thing to hold on to as long as it doesn't interfere with you having sex. <laughs> Violence isn't the only way to resolve a conflict, but it is the only way to win one. And only losers do drugs unless they help you win then only winners do drugs. <laughs> we all learn these lessons with Jerry, as well as the greatest lesson of them all, that Strange with Candy is the funniest comedy in the history of television. Keep your Tony Soprano, as I was saying, and your Walter White. Jerry Blank is the true, ultimate anti-hero. Uh, even your Carrie Bradshaws. I'd like to see her and Jerry go at it head-to-head in a fight. I think it would be a remarkable thing to take in. This show gave us Amy Sedaris, it gave us Stephen Colbert, it even gave us a pre-Grey's Anatomy Ellen Pompeo as a bulimic debate team champion who must convince Jerry that incest is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I think in this this world uh, where we no longer have a moral fail-safe, Jerry is the guardian and teacher of us all because she has been there and she's lived to tell the tale. Damn. Sir, I have to say that was probably one of the best well-timed bell dings I've heard. <laughs> Incest is wrong, indeed. Uh, and an angel got its wings. Exactly. Uh, Annika, you heard what Jason here had to say. You have 90 seconds to talk ghosts on uh, ghosts from Mars. It, no one gets it right, man. It's ghosts of Mars. Of I don't. Mars. I don't. I don't hold that. I know, right? Is it strangers of candy? It's so hard to keep this. Can we just call it Martian ghosts? Uh, I think that'd be way better. Okay. Well, you have 90 seconds to make your case. We're going to hear from you, Annika, in three, two, and one. Let's get in it to win it. Okay, like I said, John Carpenter film scored by the wonderful band Anthrax uh, takes place 100 years in the future where Mars has been turned into a penal colony run by a matriarchal society representation of women. And in it, ghosts of dead Martians possess prisoners and cause the prisoners to murder, cannibalize, and self-mutilate. Like I said, it stars Ice Cube and Jason Statham before he he learned that he should shave his head. So he has this nice little, like, beige cotton can going on up top to fucking die for. What's great about this film, it has queer representation. Most of the women in it are lesbians or bisexual. What else is great about it? Women of color are in positions of power, which is really cool. Another great thing about it. 
female protagonist, her life is saved by moderate drug use. You were talking about drug use and strange with candy. It's better in mine. One of the men in it, one of the men, Ice Cube's henchman, dies because he uses drugs too much. But she, because she, the protagonist, uses moderate drugs, she's able to fight out one of the Martians that possess her body. This movie drives the point home with an anthrax soundtrack and starring Ice motherfucking Cube, the fact that moderate drug use is good for you. How fucking amazing is that? Also, also, also... The bad guys in it look like burners. They look like crust punk burners. So how nice is it to see burners getting killed? It's beautiful. It's goddamn beautiful. And finally, last but not least, the main Martian bad guy looks like a love child between a Klingon and the crow. It's a fucking classic, beautiful film. Boom. (laughs) That was the best time 90 seconds I've ever heard. With another appropriate uh, bell ding at 10 seconds. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jason, you heard what Annika had to say. You have 60 seconds to make your rebuttal, good sir, and we're going to hear from you in three, two, and one. You want to talk about representation? So Pam Greer in this film is killed 30 minutes into it. She dies off camera. That is disrespectful. Uh, we want to talk about empowering portrayals of people of color. In Strange but Candy, the principal is a powerful African-American man, and in Ghost of Mars, Ace Cube plays a murderous criminal. This is not aspirational. Ghost of Mars is a life ruiner. John Carpenter went from being one of the great horror directors of all time to barely ever working again after making this movie. He was, he was so burnt out, he stopped making movies altogether until eight years later, and then another shitty movie, because you don't come back from Ghost of Mars. Uh, Nat- <laughs> Clea Duvall, a real-life queer woman, has to do a scene in the movie where Ice Cube holds a, th- a, 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 a knife to her throat and says, I will slice this dyke bitch's throat. Also, that's his first line in the film. That's not <laughs> that yes. is his introductory <laughs> line. Not in <laughs> Poor Natasha Henstridge has come forward bravely to talk about being sexually harassed by both Harvey Weinstein and Brett Ratner. In this film, she is harassed the entire time and at the end actually just gives in to Jason Statham, thus condoning all the sexual harassment that preceded it. And Ice Cube himself went on the record as saying this is the worst movie he ever made and he was in Torque. <laughs> so... <laughs> it, it, it ruined it fucking ruined John Carpenter he didn't make another movie for 11 years yeah. that's what makes it a good cult classic <laughs> Jason can I can I ask you a question yeah. I thought your 60 seconds was going to be used to champion more uh, Strangers with Candy sure did you watch Ghosts of Mars in preparation absolutely for I did it's a good oh. movie <laughs> isn't it a good movie I also know you read the IMDb because you literally quoted it verbatim, yes. like chronologically. You're welcome. Uh, and I didn't even get to talk about the scene where there's a flashback within a flashback within a flashback, I which I think, which is one of the things that both of us could talk about and make our case with. It's so good. It's remarkable. I will say I've never seen anything like it's it. So good, Annika. You heard uh, what Jason had to say, having done his due diligence in preparing for this debate. You have 60 seconds to make your retort, and we're going to hear you in three, two, and one. <laughs> First and foremost, a star-studded cast does not make up for mediocre, boring writing. Every single person in that show is unlikable. All the characters are shallow, they're self-centered, and they're cruel. And that is enough of that in this world. I don't want to watch fiction and be like, oh, it looks like everyone I'm around and everyone that runs my country all the time. I don't need to see that shit. Fuck it. Also, it's masturbatory. It's a bunch of people who think they're funny making a show that's totally up its own ass with its own like pithiness. How gross is a show where a bunch of comedians just get together and riff about obscure self referential topics? <laughs> gross!
gross! <laughs> I'm glad someone picked up on that. Also, if we're comparing convicts, first of all, Ice Cube is amazing. He gets along with the female protagonist. He never once tries anything sexual with her. Jason Statham is playing a gross, horrific character who later redeems himself by selflessly dying to make sure that the protagonist gets... I don't remember her name. I don't care that Ballard. much about the film. It's Ballard. Okay. But, like... <laughs> The fact that Ice Cube, as convicts go, if we're going to go Jerry versus Ice Cube, he's a much better convict in this film. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. What to say about that? Excellent. Well, uh, that is up for debate, whether or not Ice Cube is a, bit, a better convict than Jerry. But we're going to leave that one to our studio audience here, and you're going to let us know who's going to be moving on to the Sweet 16. So, if you want to give this to Jason Leroy and Strangers with Candy, let's hear ya. And if you want to hand the uh, win over to Annika Sela and Ghosts of Mars. Woo! Do it. Do it. you got to move on, Jesus. <laughs> Tell Jerry she's got to win because Strangers with Candy and Jason Leroy, you are moving on to the Sweet 16, my friend. But Jerry only knows how to lose. She isn't really, she's not prepared for this. Annika, how do you how do you feel? What do you want to plug? Anything you want to say before you get out? I'm of totally here? I'm totally fine with that. I do recommend people go and watch this film though because it's genuinely really funny. It's really really the the one comic relief scene is when one of the henchmen gets his hand blown off to try to impress an uh, imprisoned prostitute. There, it's so fucking good. Okay, I thought you were gonna spoil it. I'm like, don't do it. So Annika. fucking oh, good. Excellent. Uh, I just out of curiosity, how many times have you seen that movie? Not as many times as what's his name Scott has seen Home Alone. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, social media? Any of your podcasts? Not really. You can find me on Twitter at Annika Sila A N I C A C I H O A, and then that's you know fuck it. That's it. That's all. <laughs> Perfect. You could also listen to Annika on previous episodes of Nerd Rage. Look for her on there. Jason, however, making his debut with quite yes. the splash here. Anything you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Uh, well, I want to say I did not get to mention this, but the role Natasha Henstridge played was originally cast with none other than Ms. Courtney Love. Yeah. And she had to drop out of the movie a week before shooting because her then-boyfriend's ex-wife ran over her foot with a car. And I think that we all want to see that movie. So I just want to use this platform to say that I have a treatment in the works for it. And uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, you can find me at excessfaggage. Well, okay. Uh, everybody, give it over. Jason Leroy is going to be moving on. We're doing Strangers with Candy on Nerd Rage Tournament of Champions. And we are back on Nerd Rage's Tournament of Champions in one of the opening rounds here. We've got a very interesting debate because for folks who were born, uh, what, 1980 and on, you're probably not going to know who most of these people are, except for maybe a dude who always shows up in Marvel movies. So we're going to go ahead and introduce you to the debaters here because they are going to be doing, uh, what is it, uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers versus Stan Lee, correct? That's what yeah, we're saying. That that's correct. And uh, your first debater, she has actually been on Nerd Rage before. Uh, she was on one of the more fiery episodes we've done, which <laughs> was a, uh, an, an episode entitled A Sondheim of Ice and Fire, which was talking about 70s Broadway versus 80s Broadway, if I'm not uh, mistaken. That is correct. Right. Well, musicals. Musicals, correct. And uh, she was hilarious on that one. Uh, it got, a, like I said, a lot more heated than I thought that was going to be, but theater nerds, what are you going to do? So, everybody give it up for Big for Miss Lael Gold. Woo! And Lael, you were going to be talking about... 
Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Now, why them? Of all things you could have chosen, why them? Um, because there's nothing more uh, sublime that has ever been created by uh, the hands, minds, and spirit of man than their movies. See, I don't even know what I can't even come up with the smart-ass <laughs> thing to say about that. Clearly, clearly, Layla, you're, you're, you love this subject matter, so this is going to be very interesting. Hopefully you don't get too emotional, because we've seen that many times already in these opening rounds. Now, facing you, you're going to have a very funny comic here from the Bay Area. Give it up for Drew Harmon. Woo! Now, Drew, sir, you have gone and picked Mr. Uh, Stanley Lee. The man, the myth, the legend. Excelsior. Indeed. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, of, all, of all the things you could have picked, because, you you know, to pick Stan Lee is one thing, because it tells me you're a big comic book guy, right? Yeah. So now, to pick Stan Lee is, is pretty lofty, because you're not talking about his creations, but maybe you will. We'll see. It's kind of... he. Stan Lee is his creations. He's a whole... He's created himself out of whole cloth. He's an amazing entity and one of the great storytellers of all mankind. So... He's, he seemed like an easy choice for me to defend. Now, as sublime as Fred Astaire and Ginger mm. Rogers... We'll see. All right. We're going to go ahead, you guys. Uh, if you don't know how this works, we're going to give you 90 seconds to make your case, and then you'll be making 60-second rebuttals, and whoever wins this one will be moving on to the Sweet 16 round. Lael, we're going to be starting with you. All right. Awesome. <laughs> she says very confidently. As Ginger Rogers' character said in Swing Time, no, she didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get you started here. Will, we're going to get 90 seconds on the clock for Lael here, and you're going to have, again, 90 seconds, a minute and a half to let us know why Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are superior to Stan motherfucking Lee in three, two, and one. Okay, first of all, I just want to say from a scientific perspective, it's been shown that if you watch dance, your neural firing is the same as if you were doing the dancing. Do you know what fights off Alzheimer's like no other human activity? That's right, partner dancing. Hello. If you don't have Alzheimer's or pre-Alzheimer's right now, you can pretty much essentially thank Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers for that. Uh, And then if we just look at it politically... Which films brought us uh, this country out of the Great Depression, spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically? This has been written about a lot. The films of, yes, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, very powerful, making fun of the 1%, and yet delighting us and lifting us when we were heartbroken by uh, you know, our personal financial traumas or our ancestors were. That's what they did. Um, <sighs> Michael Jackson's two favorite artists? That's correct. Stevie Wonder and Fred Astaire. That's correct. Who did Michael Jackson uh, base Smooth uh, Smooth Criminal on? Uh, the dances of Fred Astaire. Also, what I can tell you is uh, they've made their way into the language. She did it backwards and in heels. Famously said of who? Ginger Rogers. Um, he's no Fred Astaire. Said about every person who's not Fred Astaire. <laughs> oh, can I keep going? Okay. Um, I don't know. I just heard from my esteemed <laughs> opponent. Can I not finish this? Yeah, you can make that last point. Okay. I just heard that uh, Stan Lee is coextensive with Marvel Comics, and I want to say he's got some serious problems with his own identity. He was born Stan Lee Lieber. 
Uh, and uh, now he's ethnically ambiguous as Stan Lee. And not only that, with The Incredible Hulk, he shows deep disdain for the garment industry, a <laughs> Jewish industry in the city of New York. So uh, I, I, I'd like to hear rebuttal to that when my esteemed colleague moves forward. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we went for the, uh, for the Jewish garment industry there in that one. Um, Drew, you uh, have a lot of 90 seconds to make your case about why uh, Stanley Lieber uh, is superior to Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And we're going to hear from you, good sir, in three, two, and one. All right, true believer. So I'm not sure what to do with the whole Jew shaming thing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that life. But I would argue that also he is a proponent of the garment industry because, number one, he put the Hulk in purple pants. No one was wearing purple pants in the 1960s, and the Hulk just kept tearing through him. He needed to keep buying more and more purple pants, therefore encouraging the garment industry to make more creations. Uh, also for Stanley. He, uh, he built himself from whole cloth. He was a poor kid, started working at Timely Comics, and then as he was preparing to get out of the industry, he had this m- amazing idea of what if we gave superheroes feelings? And look where we are now. Like We have all these great characters, and like Spider-Man has all these feelings. We have, uh, he created the religion of the 20th century because I guarantee you most kids now know more about with great power comes great responsibility than anything from the Bible, and that is completely because of Stan Lee's uh, Spider-Man is just better in general. Now, the films of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, yeah, they're fine. There's ten movies. Stan Lee has been in more than 30 movies because of his own creations. And we all know he's Stan Lee. And also, Fred, uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, I don't know what they're... They're actors. They're supposed to be characters. I don't know who they played in any of those. They're just Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers <laughs> just dancing around. Also, the movies don't have very good titles. The Gay Divorcee, that sounds like there should be subtext. There's no subtext. <laughs> X-Men has subtext. So with that, enough said... With great power comes great responsibility. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> Lael, you heard what Drew had to say there. Are you ready to go with your rebuttal? I certainly am. All right, you've got 60 seconds on the clock. Will, you got her set up? All right, Lael, in three, two, and one. Uh, I don't have a problem with Judaism because I never changed my name from Lael Gold to Lael Lee. So uh, it's someone else who does. Uh, someone else, I would say, yes, he crea- uh, Stan Lee created the Black Panther, but the minute the Black Panther party showed up, he changed that name to the Black Leopard and the Panther. Not too cool, Mr. Lee. Lee, Lee, call yourself what you will. Uh, Also, I have to say that uh, the whole comic book mentality that basically gave rise to Trumpism in this country, today, today, our president, Donald Trump, called a Democratic member of the some committee that some guy who leaked a memo he called him a bad man where do you hear that you don't hear that kind of unnuanced judgment in the (laughs) glorious films of ginger rogers and fred astaire no you hear that in comic book bullshit um so also uh stan lee tells us to marvel we don't need to be told to marvel when we watch (laughs) the movies of fred astaire and ginger rogers Uh, I could go on, but sadly, uh, I'm out of time. Thank you for being so polite about that, Lael. There are many people in this tournament who'd be like, fuck it, and just go on anyway. I I would like to say one thing. (laughs) 
Could I? Sure. Well, I love it. <laughs> uh, I was just, I just heard that there's no subtext in the movies of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Uh, au contraire, if you know who Edward Everett Horton, or Norton, I forget which, was, uh, he was basically a gay comedian who was putting all of this gay subtext into those films, and that was welcomed by Fred and Ginger. Why? Because they were super cool way back in the day. And... Um, and I'll just say that cheek to cheek. Well, even if they, even if those films had only been a delivery device for the music of Cole Porter in Irving Berlin, even if that is all they had accomplished, it would have been enough. That's all I have to say. Excellent. Going for the uh, the the well uh, oiled uh, gay comedian defense. Yes. I love that one <laughs> a lot. There. All right. So Drew, you heard what she had to say. We're going to give you a little bit more time. Don't worry about the bell at the oh. end there. Uh, yeah. We're going to give you a little bit more time here. So 60 seconds, or maybe maybe not, maybe a little bit more. On the clock in three, two, and one. Okay, so Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are welcoming of gay people. Is there any man-on-man fucking happening in a movie called Follow the Fleet? <laughs> There's not, there's not, there's no, it's a movie called Follow the Fleet. There should be so much gay sex happening in a movie about two people, about following the Navy. There should be just lots of gay sex. Uh, That's just my opinion. Uh, If I'm putting in a movie called Follow the Fleet, I expect lots of man-on-man action. Uh, For Stanley, his movies do have a political context because they came from a political time. The X-Men comes from a battle for racial diversity. Uh, we have lots of context for uh, you know, Spider-Man and what he means to, uh, to kids. And so, yeah, you don't need to be told to marvel at two people dancing, but the essence of Marvel at its core is people like Captain America, who still fights for what's right, even in, uh, say, Civil War, where he's trying to battle against a registration act as a superhero. So there is a political context there because everything is politics, just like we have right now in America. So enough said, with great power does come great responsibility. You have to stand up and fight for what you believe in, and that's what Stan Lee has always encouraged in his characters. Excelsior. Thank you, Drew Harmon. All right, we're going to be throwing it over to you guys here in the studio audience. You're going to be letting us know whether Lale or Drew will be moving on to the uh, the Sweet 16 around here. So if you want to give it a Lale Gold and Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, let's hear you. And if you're a fan of Jewish people changing their names, give it up for Drew Harmon and Stan Lee. Change that name chant going on in the audience. We're going to give this one to Drew Arman and Stan Lee. Drew, thank you very much, sir. Lael, uh, you have uh, the floor here. Why don't you go ahead and plug something, uh, social media, anything you want to you get out there to the masses. Uh, I am about to be named Best Dream Interpreter by Oakland Magazine. So pick up a copy of Oakland Magazine and uh, read it in the bathtub. Uh, my, Specifically. My, my website is uh, www www no just kidding www.protectiveslumber.com follow me on twitter at lael gold i'll be changing that to lael lee shortly clearly that's the winning move uh thank you very much excellent thank you very much lael uh, again if you want to hear more from lael uh here's some of the passion about theater check out uh, the episode of nerd rage entitled a sondheim of ice and fire drew you are moving on to the next round yeah what do you want to uh to plug here sir uh you can catch me googling how to make a living as a dream interpreter in about 30 <laughs> seconds uh, <laughs> also 
Check out my website, uh, drewharmon.com, D-R-E-W-H-A-R-M-O-N.com. That has all my show dates. Uh, I do a great show called uh, I Think I'd Be Good at That. Uh, the next one's happening at the Punchline. And, uh, yeah, check out uh, where one person who's never done stand-up before gets to do stand-up for the very first time headlining a show at a comedy club. So really crazy, exciting stuff. And uh, I'm great. And also, what the hell is a dream interpreter? <laughs> That's, that was, I, I look forward to finding out what that means. You'll be Googling into it. And everybody yeah. give it up again for Drew Harmon. He is moving on in the Nerd Rage Tournament of Champions. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. And we are back on Nerd Rage Tournament of Champions in the opening round. We've got a really fun one here. We're going to be talking to uh, two comic book series, uh, two of which are very dear to my heart, so I'm kind of torn as to which one I'm sort of secretly cheering for as the impartial host here. But uh, we have two debaters coming in, of course, one of whom was on the very first episode of Nerd Rage when uh, she helped Stephen Koo uh, almost win against... Was that Fast and the Furious versus the he Marvel? He hadn't seen them. He saw one. He saw Tokyo Drift. Right? Uh, the so. best one, though. <laughs> uh, she's incredibly funny. We've had her on a number of times. Uh, one of my favorite people here. And somebody who I didn't realize until a few months ago worked in the building right next to me yeah. in good old real life. Everybody give it up for Dominique Jellin. Thank you. Hello. Now, now, Dom, what are you going to be uh, championing for us here? I'm going to be talking about Saga, which is an ongoing series uh, being penned by Brian K. Vaughn and that he's doing with Fiona Staples. Um, and they just released volume eight earlier in January. If you're looking to catch up, um, and it's just it's so wonderfully written. And and Brian K. Vaughn is the kind of writer that I feel like you can trust, and you know that you're not going to be like, shit, man, are you making this up as you go along? Like it's just it's so uh, wonderful and it's so beautifully written. And there are so many stories within the story that are that just you feel like they've really taken care of their characters and they care about their characters. And nobody's a throwaway character, and everybody's got a really just purposeful, uh, you know, you know, just a great reason to be in the text. There's no wasted space. There are no wasted panels. It's a wonderful fucking comic. Um, and just on a superficial level, quote unquote superficial, uh, it's just a great uh, combination of of genres. Do you like romance? This is for you. Like if you wanted to see what Romeo and Juliet would be like if they weren't just horny teenagers. Bam! Did you ever want a treehouse? That was also a rocket ship. This is also your series. What if robots were just humans with television heads? This is for you. It just feels like the sky's the limit, and it's a it's a great fucking series. And you know, it, Runaways. I, I've read. I started to read it, and I feel like it honestly pales in comparison. Ooh. And we'll revisit we'll that. We'll save that uh, for the shortly. debate, then, yeah. Dom. Okay. Well, someone who is now putting her hands up and going, "You shut the fuck up." That's how uh, we're starting this. We're starting <laughs> it. Off. Yeah, we're it's, starting okay. this. We're going, Jeff. Okay. Going up against know. Dom is. <laughs> Someone who was uh, coming at the last minute. I believe it was a 20-minute-ago kind of decision for you to come in as an alternate, yes? I got a text saying there was a, quote, podcast emergency. <laughs> right. And what do you do but rise to the occasion? Of course. Uh, she hosts the Berkeley Poetry Slam. Is this every Wednesday? It is every Wednesday. Every Wednesday here in Berkeley, I imagine. Eh. <laughs> Something like that. Everybody give it up for Jazz Sufi. Now, Jazz, we heard from Dom uh, a little bit, but you are going to be championing Runaways, correct? I am, yes. Excellent. Now, uh, are we talking Runaways just the comic or Runaways the whole thing, including that TV show on Hulu? We are talking about the comics up until 
the new run, which I have not read because I did not do any research. And we are going to be talking about Runaways, the TV show, up until the last episode, which I have not seen because I have not done any research. This is going to be straight from the heart then, I say. Straight from the heart. Off Here we the go. dome. Let's, let's, if this, if you were a battle rapper, this. then you are more equipped than you think. All right. So, Dom, because you've been here before, we're going to be starting with you. You have 90 seconds to tell everybody here why Saga is superior to Runaways, and we're going to hear your points in three, two, and one. All right. Well, point number one, I blew my load in the intro. Uh, <laughs> but it is still, a, like, I stand by everything I said. It was just such a wonderfully written show. And it's an earth show. It feels like a show because that's how wonderfully drawn it is. Uh, Runaways, you know, also fine, you know, like, you know, okay, yes, it's it's nicely drawn, but I just feel like the level of detail and the awesomeness of Saga cannot be really rivaled. It's uh, Fiona Staples just does an amazing job. I think there's more creativity in Saga, not only because they're meshing all these different genres, but we have species that we'd never heard of. We have fucking seals performing abortions in our series, man. Schmorshmans, if you will. Uh, <laughs> in case we can't say abortions on the podcast. Um, <laughs> runaways, like, yes, I get it. Like, it sucks that your parents are villains, but, like, I also am not entirely sympathetic to a bunch of rich, rich kids who are like, oh, but our parents are mean. And, like, all right, cool. Like, you guys, like, I feel like they could have done a better job of running away. You know what I mean? Like, if you grew up... <laughs> You grew up that rich. You know that you have offshore accounts. We know that you have credit cards. We know that you have cash. And then somehow you end up in a cave and you're like, oh, we have no resources. Like, no, you don't know how to manage your resources. And that is different as opposed to the, the folks in Saga who are so fucking resourceful. They're like, we have nothing, but we have magic. And that fucking rocks, man. And they just make shit. Like, it just, it, like, ah, oh. They have no resources and still they excel and they really propel themselves forward. And I just feel like, the Runaways are so ill-equipped to do what they're doing that I just want them to have a babysitter, and that's the only benefit that they get out of being in the Marvel Universe is that eventually they'll have chaperones. Thank you. <laughs> Dom Jellin, hating rich kids. All right. <laughs> Jazz, you heard everything that Dom said. You now will have 90 seconds to make your case here. I know you didn't say you didn't do a lot of research. I believe in you. So we're going to hear from you. 90 seconds that's on cool, the clock. <laughs> just say it. 90 seconds on the clock. Nerd Rage debut. Jazz Sufi in three, two, and one. <laughs> All right, well, I will begin with Runaways saying that it is also a Brian K. Vaughn original, and it came before Saga, so I would say that it created the foundation on which Saga could exist in the first place. <laughs> Just saying. So if we look at the cast, amazingly diverse. When you say it's a bunch of rich kids suffering, I would argue, one, we have Chase suffering violence from his father. We have racism against multiple non-white characters. We have one character that is so gay, she is literally a rainbow. <laughs> so I think we cover the spectrum in terms of suffering because intersectionality is important in this situation. You can't just look at a purely class-based system. I know... Nothing about Saga because I did not do any research. But I do know that there was a controversy about there being a boob on a cover. And so don't you think right now in this time of Me Too, we should be more conscious about the objectification and sexualization of women? I think that's something that Saga does not take into account. As I heard, he later brought on Fiona Staples. And so this was originally created by a man. In fact, I would presume a white man. 
objectifying the female form, sheerly for scandalous and controversial covers, news coverage, if you will. And that is disappointing to me both as a feminist and as a human being. If we return to runaways, though, these are children, literal children dealing with adult issues that are not sexualized. And the bell distracted me. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. I'm going to be very easy for this because as soon as the bell hits, I'm going to be like, I'm done. Excellent. Sounds great. Uh, for, for your first shot, that was a great, that was a great uh, shot there. Now, Dom will have sixty seconds to make her rebuttal, so be prepared to hear every point that you've made be shut down by Dom here. So, Dom, uh, it's like being on a Tinder date. This is great. <laughs> Dom, you've got sixty seconds. You know how this goes, and we're gonna hear from you in three, two, and one. Okay. Well, for starters, I didn't realize that we were policing the nipple on Nerd Rage. So, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, also, if you can't handle titties in your comic books, maybe you should stray away from comic books. Uh, <laughs> I will say, yes, there are a myriad issues facing the kids of Runaways. But again, I just feel like they're falling short of what they could be doing. And let's say that Runaways did lay a strong foundation for Brian K. Vaughn to really propel himself and launch himself to the next level in Saga. All you're saying is that Saga is better. Because uh, we are on the up and up, all right? That's just... <laughs> That is how time works. It marches forward. It improves, hopefully. And I think in this case, it did. It's like, um, I don't know, like if you were to see the early works of literally anybody and then watch the same thing 10 years later once they've actually gotten the chops and really like honed their craft, then you'd be like, yeah, why would I go to that earlier stuff? Also, it's really nice to watch Brian K. Vaughn kind of flourish when he's not you know, like, doesn't have his hand tied by the Marvel Universe. He just goes fucking ham, you know? It's just like, the sky's the limit, and then when you get to the sky, he's like, but what if there was another sky? And that is Saga. Thank you. I've never heard a line like that before, but it works so well here. What if there was another sky? I fucking love that. All right, Jazz, you heard everything that Dom had to say. You have 60 seconds to make your rebuttal, and we're going to hear from you in three, two, and one. When you say that usually the first works are the worst, I think you're not taking into account the story of a simple carpenter, Jesus Christ, (laughs) who from the beginning brought to us light and to the end maintained that same glow. Now, because I have the advantage of having multiple mediums with Runaways, with the TV show, which, by the way, by the way, is pioneering a new branch of the MCU, breaking out from the heavy scandalous... Well, I, oh, I should have picked Jessica Jones. Shit! <laughs> but, but we're here now. And it pioneered branching off into Hulu, which is breaking Netflix's monopoly. An important thing to note, considering... Uh, gentrification. Uh, I don't know. So, um, <laughs> so it also brings back the return of practical effects. Now, old lace, which, by the way, you're going to talk about diversity and species. Old lace, after arsenic and old lace, is a dinosaur. One of the main characters who is, can I say, an intelligent woman who is played by a Latina instead of a white person in the show has a dinosaur, and I think that's better. <laughs> 
Can I tell you how much Noted. I enjoyed you utilize gentrification as like a sidearm? Like, <laughs> pew! <laughs> like it wasn't just the main from the just hip. Pew! It was great. Just shoot that up. Gentrification. Burn Berkeley. Throw that out there. It's, it's going to mean something somewhere. All right. Ladies and gentlemen in the audience, you heard what they had to say. We're going to be determining who's going to be moving on to the Sweet 16 to face Drew Harmon with Stan Lee, which makes this actually a lot more interesting than I thought because we're going to have comic-based stuff here. So, if you want to give it to Dom, Jelen, and Saga, let's hear you. And if you want to give this to Jazz, Sufi, and the Runaways. Oh, there's some whispering going on. I, I was just going to say, I think... It's like we don't know who Yeah, I think, I think we had someone more high-pitched for me, which I approve of, but... I, I thought... I, I don't know. You guys... I'm here talking with producer Will here, and we're going to be saying that Dom Jelen, you are moving forward with Saga. Alrighty. But... But I, I want to say... Oh, my God, we definitely should. Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> Best friends. I, I didn't want to argue this at all. <laughs> so, uh, Jazz, I know this is your first time here. How does it feel to be part of Nerd Rage? Uh, it feels delightful, thank you very much, because I have always enjoyed having a microphone pressed against my chin. Uh, <laughs> it's very soft. It makes me feel comforted in my loss. Now, um... I forgot. Is there anything you'd like to plug? How about that? Yes, there is. I run the Berkeley Poetry Slam, so if you're like comedy, I would like that with more sadness and <laughs> and scores and a very specific and stereotypical cadence. Well, I've got you every Wednesday at the Starry Plow in Berkeley. Sweet. Thanks. Any social media? Anything like that? Um, yeah, I was in the middle of making a website two days ago, but I didn't know I'd be on a podcast today, so it's not up. Uh, but we are on Facebook, and we're on the Berkeley Slam website, and not Twitter, because it scares me. Oh, you know That's what? Legit. I'd be scared, too. Dom, how do you feel moving on to face um, Drew Harmon? I feel excited. I'm excited to debate Drew. I'm excited that I got to debate Jazz, uh, and I think this is the first Nerd Rage where I was actually familiar with both uh, topics, both my topic and my opponent's topic, and I actually... I do enjoy the show, uh, so it is what it is. Well, there's a reason I didn't argue too hard for the show. Uh, it's, uh, I enjoy the show, but I, I think I enjoyed the comics better, even though I didn't finish them. So they never ran away. It's called <laughs> Runaways, and they never ran away. Regardless. I should have brought that up as a point. You're right. I just <laughs> I kept coming up with points against myself in the <laughs> argument, being like, "Yeah, but Chase's character was worse. Yeah, they fucked up representation. Damn it. It's fine. I oh, thought- sorry." That was was that the question you asked me? Well, Chaz and I just have a moment in your third. Sorry, I, the new whole best time, friends, new best friends. The whole time I was thinking, I don't care. Chase is still a dreamboat in the show. So. Yeah, but he doesn't have the long hair anymore. I know. Mm. Yeah, and the, the, the little arm things weren't like fused to him. Like he can I remove know. them. There's a lot that they. All right. His dad was Guys, Spike. I should have said we'll t- that. We'll talk about sorry, this. Sorry. We'll talk about this offline. Cut this. Cut we'll talk, this. Talk, talk, talk about it offline. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Dom, I know you said you're yeah, excited. People can find me at Hey Dom Jelen on Twitter and Instagram, um, and I'm at the Layover every second and third Tuesday. Right, where she hosts the Token Showcase, which is what I forgot to say in her intro, but I said Sorry. it now, and I hope that counts. It does, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Dom Jelen. She's moving on in the Tournament of Champions. Hope you guys liked what you heard. We are going to be back next week with more of Nerd Rage's Tournament of Champions. <laughs>